Good morning again. Hope everyone's doing well this morning. Uh, we are concluding our Roman series this morning. No round of applause? It's been like 18 months. Yeah, let's get, yeah. It's been uh, quite the journey going uh, verse by verse through the book of Romans. And today we're going to end by uh, examining chapter 16. But before I dive into the scriptures, I wanted to read um, a famous farewell speech to you guys. It says, fans, for the past two weeks, you've been reading about a bad break I got. Yet today I consider myself the luckiest man on the face of the earth. I've been in ballparks for 17 years and have never received anything but kindness and encouragement from you fans. Look at these grand men, which you wouldn't consider, uh, which of you wouldn't consider it a highlight of his career just to associate with them for even one day. Sure, I'm lucky. Who wouldn't consider it an honor to have known Jacob Rupert, also the, the builder of baseball's greatest empire, Ed Barrow, to have spent six years with that wonderful little fellow, Miller Huggins, then to have spent the next nine years with that outstanding leader, that smart student of psychology, the best manager in baseball today, Joe McCarthy. Sure, I'm lucky. When the New York Giants, a team you would give your right arm to beat and vice versa, sends you a gift... That's something. When everybody down to the groundskeepers and those boys in white coats remember you with trophies, that's something. When you have a wonderful mother-in-law who takes sides with you and squabbles with her own daughter, that's something. When you have a father and mother who work all their lives so you can have an education and build your body, it's a blessing. When you have a wife who has been a tower of strength and shown more courage than you dreamed existed, that's the finest I know. So I close in saying that I might have been given a bad break, but I got an awful lot to live for. And that was Lou Gehrig, uh, the famous um, first baseman for the New York Yankees from 1923 to 1939. That was his farewell retirement speech uh, that he gave um, on July 4th, 1939. And um, he was diagnosed with ALS, which um, they called they called Lou Gehrig's disease, and he died a couple years later from it. Um, but this was his this was his goodbye to all his fans. This was his, this was his goodbye to baseball. Um, and in in the world of sports, it's still one of the most like well known greatest farewell speeches in in the history of sports. Um, farewells can be really profound. They can be really powerful. And today, we're looking at the Apostle Paul's final words to the Roman church. Um, so we're going to examine chapter 16 today, like I said. But before we do that, let's pray this morning. God, we love you. We thank you. Um, we just ask, God, that your, your truth would be made known today, that your word would go out and it would root itself deep inside of us today. Change us from the inside out, God. We love you. We thank you, God. We give you all the glory and all the honor. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you have your Bible today, you can open it up or turn it on to Romans chapter 16. Romans chapter 16, and we're going to start in verse 1. Um, 
I always try to preach from a perspective of there and then. If you don't know what that means, there and then, this is what it means. If we're going to understand how the Bible applies to our lives here and now, we first have to understand what it meant there and then. We have to understand the, wor- the world of the Bible if we're going to understand the words of the Bible. Context means a lot. And so just a little bit of context. Paul wrote this letter that's half doctrine and it's half practical application. He wrote this letter to a church, to a group of believers in Rome that were like five to seven years old in faith or, or younger. And, and so he's just, he's really trying to be a big brother. He's trying to be a father figure. He's trying to instruct them. And this is the way to serve Jesus. This is the way to live life for Jesus. And now we're, we're at the end of his letter. We're, we're in the, the, final, the final words. Romans chapter 16, starting in verse 1, it says, I commend to you our sister Phoebe, who is a deacon in the church of Centria. Now, there are many people in the world who, there are many people in the church world who believe that women have no role in ministry in the church. Many people who believe that. Women have no role in ministry, but Paul's recognition of Phoebe as a deacon indicates otherwise. Um, in the world of the Bible, a deacon is someone who's charged with the day-to-day like operation and care of a church, and Phoebe is it for the church that's in the, the region or the, the city, Centria. Um, I also want to make a note, too, that Paul uses, I'm going to get like kind of grammatical on you for a second. Paul uses, uh, the word he uses for deacon in the original language is uh, diakonos. Say that with me. Say diakonos. Oh, come on, say it like you mean it, Anchor Say diakonos. There we go. Diakonos, uh, again, means deacon, but the word he uses is in the masculine form, not the feminine form. So why would the Apostle Paul use the masculine form of a word to talk about a female? Many theologians speculate that he does this to uh, communicate to his readers that women and men are equal. In the eyes of God, they're equal. Men aren't better than women. Women aren't less than men. Women aren't better than men. Men aren't less than women. Men and women in the eyes of God are equal. And the Apostle Paul is trying to reiterate this. We're all called. We're all called to be ministers of the gospel. We're, we're all um, called to, to live within the will of God. We're all equals in the eyes of God. It's very important to understand this. Verse 2. Welcome her in the Lord as one who is worthy of honor among God's people. Help her in whatever she needs, for she has been helpful to many, and especially to me. Give my greetings to Priscilla and Aquila, my co-workers in the ministry of Christ Jesus. This is the same Priscilla and Aquila from the book of Acts. Um, This is the same uh, Priscilla and Aquila that trained Apollos to be one of the most influential missionaries in the first century. Um, Priscilla and Aquila are uh, a married, they're married and they're, they're a ministry team. They do ministry together. Um, really quickly, I want to reiterate something I've said in the past, and I'll continue to say it. Everything that's in Scripture is there for a reason. We just have to, we just have to figure out the reason. Um, and uh, if you notice, any time in Scripture that they talk about Priscilla and Aquila, they always mention Priscilla first. They always mention the wife first. Now, to us, that might not be a big deal. But in the world of the Bible, that means something. When the, Bible, when the writers of the Bible mentioned a group of people, they always mentioned the more prominent person first, always. 
So every time they mention Priscilla and Aquila, they mention Priscilla first, which indicates that Priscilla had more clout. She had a bigger role in the church. Not that she was better than her husband, not that her husband was less than, but she just had a, a larger role, which makes my previous point that men and women are equal in the eyes of God. Men and women are equal in the eyes of God, and we're all called we're all called to be ministers of the gospel of Jesus. So uh, anyways, uh, verse 4. Okay, really quickly, verse, uh, th- this next chunk, I need to encourage you, stay with me. Don't fall asleep. I'm about to read a lot of names, okay? But remember, they're all there for a reason, so, so stick with me, all right? Verse 4, in fact, they once risked their lives for me. That's Priscilla and Aquila. He's, uh, Paul's talking about Priscilla and Aquila. They once risked their lives for me. I'm thankful to them, and so are all the Gentile churches. Also give my greetings to the church that meets in their home. Greet my dear friend Epenetus. He was the first person from the province of Asia to become a follower of Christ. Give my greetings to Mary, who has worked so hard for your benefit. Greet Andronicus and Junia, my fellow Jews, who were in prison with me. They are highly respected among the Gentiles and become followers of Christ before I did. Greet Ampliatus, my dear friend in the Lord. Greet Urbanus, our co-worker in Christ, and my dear friend Stachys. Greet Apelles, a good man who Christ approves, and, and give my greetings to the believers from the household of Aristobulus. Greet Herodian, my fellow Jew. Greet the Lord's people from the household of Narcissus. Give my greetings to Tryphena and Tryphosa, the Lord's workers, and to dear Persis, who has worked so hard for the Lord. Greet Rufus, whom the Lord picked out to be his very own, and also his dear mother, who has been a mother to me. Give my greetings to Asyncritus, Phlegon, Hermes, Patrobus, Herbus, and the brothers and sisters who meet with them. Give my greetings to Philologus, Julia, Nereus, and his sister, and to Olympus and all the believers who meet with them. Greet each other with a sacred kiss. All the churches of Christ send you their greetings. Now, I'll get to the names in a minute and what, what kind of why that's all there, what, what that means for us. But um, I want to I wanna zero in really quickly on the sacred kiss thing. Um, in our culture, kiss, kissing is like an intimate thing. And, and it's not things that, or it's not something that's, that's normal outside of like a romantic relationship usually. Or, or like really, really close family. Well, this sacred kiss thing is just this. When he says greet each other with a sacred kiss, this is the sacred kiss. You kiss on one cheek, you kiss on the other cheek, you kiss on the other cheek. Three kisses, one, two, three. And the sacred kiss is reserved for your family or extremely close friends. This is how family and close friends would greet each other. And Paul's saying, greet each other with this sacred kiss. Now, why would he do that? I think Paul is trying to help help disciples understand you are family in Christ. You're family in Christ. You are united by the blood of Jesus, and you should act like it. Greet each other with a sacred kiss. Verse 17, and now I make one more appeal, my brothers and sisters. Watch out for people who cause divisions and upset people's faith by teaching things contrary to what you've been taught. Stay away from them. Such people are not serving Christ our Lord. They are serving their own personal interests. By smooth talk and glowing words, they deceive innocent people. But everyone knows that you are obedient to the Lord. This makes me very happy. I want you to be wise in doing right and to stay innocent of any wrong. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. May the grace of our Lord Jesus be with you. Timothy, my fellow worker, sends you his greetings, as do Lucius, Jason, and Sosipater, my fellow Jews. 
I, Tertius, the one writing this letter for Paul, sends my greetings to as one of the Lord's followers. Little, interesting little addition there. The Apostle Paul didn't pen this letter. He didn't write it. Now, he dictated it, but there's most likely a scribe that was writing as the Apostle Paul was, was dictating, which is a common thing. It's a common practice in this culture. It's Paul words, but he had a helper. Uh, verse 23, Gaius says hello to you. He is my host and also serves as a host to the whole church. Erastus, the city treasurer, sends you his greetings, and so does our brother Quartus. Now all glory to God who is able to make you strong, just as my good news says, this message about Jesus, has re- uh, Jesus Christ has revealed his plan for you Gentiles, a plan kept secret from the beginning of time. Really quickly, if, if you didn't notice, uh, there are many versions of the Bible that skip from verse 23 to 25 there. Verse 24 is not there. Uh, that's because there are some versions that include verse 24, but it's not, verse 24 is not found in the, mo- in the oldest um, manuscripts found. So that's, that's why uh, verse 24 is, is uh, omitted in, in most versions. Um, want to be true to the original word of God. And really quickly also, uh, it says a plan kept secret from the beginning of the time. That word secret, it sounds, it, it has a negative connotation. And it sounds like, oh man, God's been hiding these things nefariously from us. That's not, that's not what's going on. Um, I, think, I think the word secret could better be, uh, more accurately be translated as silent. Silent, not secret. God was waiting for just the right time to reveal this plan. He was waiting for the exact right moment to reveal this plan. Not secret, just silent. Verse 26, but now as the prophets foretold and as the eternal God has commanded, this message is made known to all Gentiles everywhere everywhere, so that they too might believe and obey him. All glory to the only wise God through Jesus Christ forever. Amen. So the Apostle Paul does his best award ceremony speech, and he starts thanking everybody he can think of. Thank you. You know, he starts, he starts giving credit to everybody he can think of. And, and, um, and he ends his letter with, um, with some sound practical advice. And, and, man, just I was thinking about it this week, and, like, what a journey we've had walking verse by verse through this, this really – deep, really uh, intricate, really special book of the Bible. I mean, the whole whole Bible is special, right? But Romans is, Romans is, is foundational to faith, I, I believe. What a, what a a time that we've, we've had walking through it. Um, Today, there are a couple observations I want to make about the last chapter of Romans, just two. The first observation today I want to make is this. The Apostle Paul surrounded himself with other believers. The Apostle Paul surrounded himself with other believers. Romans chapter 16, uh, verses 3 through 15, to me, are the proof of that. Now, I'm not going to read all those verses again. Like, you can go back and read read it yourself. Um, But Paul spent 13 verses just now specifically identifying 27 people who meant something really special to him. He called them dear friends. He called them co-workers. He said one of them was like a mother to him. He said um, he called them brothers and sisters. Like Paul surrounded himself with people, and Paul had the help and support of so many 
believers. Now, I know that there are many people who believe that the Apostle Paul was this like lone ranger, superhero type guy that, that I believed it too for a long time. I, I believe that he was like, he was like almost like mythical how he single-handedly evangelized the Roman Empire. And I, th- I think I've even said that from the platform. He single-handedly or seemingly single-handedly evangelized the Roman Empire. But as we've gone through this book, I've, I've learned that that's not true. Paul had, Paul had a lot of support. Paul had a, a community of believers that were encouraging him, that were challenging him, that were pushing him to, to walk in the calling of, of, that, that God had on his life, that were supporting him financially. They were praying for him. They were holding him accountable. The Apostle Paul, one of the greatest evangelists the world has ever seen, should serve as an example for you and I. should serve as an example for every one of us. I don't care who you are. I don't care where you're from. I don't care what your background is, how you were raised. I don't care what your life experiences are. If you call yourself a disciple of Jesus, you need to surround yourself with other believers. You need to. It's, it's a, a must. It's not, it's not an option. We have to surround ourselves with other believers. We need to surround ourselves with people who are regularly and consistently challenging us, holding us accountable, encouraging us, praying for us. We have to live life with people who are like-minded with us. Now, to be very clear, I'm not saying insulate yourself from non-Christians. I'm not saying avoid non-Christians at all costs and only talk to people who believe what you believe. That's not what I'm saying. Because God has strategically placed you where you're at to be light to people who don't know him. I'm not saying insulate yourself. I'm not saying avoid non-Christians. But what I am saying is, is that if you are a disciple of Jesus, you can't make people who don't hold those disciple of Jesus values, you can't make those people your community. You can't, you can't make those people your main community. That will not end well. And, and scripture has a few things to say about that. The Apostle Paul instructs the Corinthian church about this. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 14 through 16, he says this, Do not be yoked together with unbelievers. For what, righteousness, or for what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? What harmony is there between Christ and Belial? Or what does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? What agreement is there between the temple of God and idols? For we are the temple of the living God. Do not be yoked together with unbelievers. We have to surround ourselves with other believers. We have to, we, our community, our, our main people, that's the way I, I say it a lot, our, our people have to be other people who are going to encourage us in our walk with the Lord. Do not be yoked together with unbelievers. A, a yoke is, is a tool that fastens uh, oxen together. And these oxen, when they're yoked together, they're in sync with with each other. They're in step with each other. They're attached to each other. And the Apostle Paul is saying, don't attach yourselves spiritually to unbelievers. Don't attach yourself emotionally to unbelievers. Do not be yoked together with unbelievers. You have to surround yourself with other believers. If I could put it in my own words, I would say this. As a disciple of Jesus, don't make unbelievers your people. 
Don't make unbelievers your people. Don't, don't make unbelievers your main community. We have to surround ourselves with people who are going to push us to grow in our relationship with the Lord, who are going to challenge us, who are going to hold us accountable, who are going to pray for us, who are going to support us. We have to do that. Um, before Jesus, my community, my, my people were uh, people just like me. They were godless. They um, were self-serving. Um, they only pleased themselves. They were degenerate. I was a degenerate, y'all. Before Jesus, I was a degenerate. Um, they, they lived in indulgence. Like, we were all friends because we, we valued the same things, pleasing ourselves, getting as much for ourselves as we could. Well, when I gave my life to Jesus, I knew I had to say goodbye to my old life and everybody in it. I knew I had to say goodbye to my old life and everybody in it because what what does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? What fellowship can light have with dark? I knew I had to say goodbye to those old friendships. Again, I'm not saying to avoid unbelievers. You'd have to leave this world to, to do that. I'm not saying avoid unbelievers. What I am saying is we have to change our attitudes and mindsets about who we surround ourselves with. We have to change our attitudes and mindsets about who we surround ourselves with and let the Apostle Paul be the example for us today. Before he met Jesus, before he, he was radically changed by Jesus, the Apostle Paul was a Pharisee. And his people were Orthodox Jews who were radical about keeping the laws of Moses and they hated Christians, they hated Jesus, and, and you could tell that was his people. Well, when he met Jesus, a resurrected Jesus on the road to Damascus, when he met Jesus, everything changed and he left his old life behind and he started making this new community of, this, this community of Christ followers became his people, became his community. If you want to grow in your relationship with the Lord, if you want to experience the fullness of life in his kingdom, you have to surround yourself with other believers who are going to support you, challenge you, hold you accountable, pray for you. You have to. They have to be your people. This is why, this is why home groups are such a big deal to me. Home groups are an on-ramp to that type of community where we surround ourselves with support, where we surround ourselves with accountability and prayer. Home groups are an on-ramp to that. We have to surround ourselves with other believers. So that's the first observation about the last chapter of the Apostle Paul's letter to the Roman church. We have to surround ourselves with other believers. The, the next observation I want to make, I guess the last observation I want to make today about the last chapter of Rome, uh, Romans is always watch out. Always watch out. Romans uh, verse, uh, chapter 16, verse 17 says this, And now I make one more appeal, my, bro- my dear brothers and sisters. Watch out for people who cause divisions and upset people's faith by teaching things contrary to what you have been taught. Stay away from them. Watch out for people who cause divisions and upset people's faith by teaching things contrary to what you've been taught. Stay away from them. There are so many voices out there that are competing for your attention. There are so many voices out there that are competing um, for your ears. And it's hard because a lot of the voices sound really good. A lot of the voices are really charming and they 
in a roundabout way, maybe they make sense. A lot of the things out there can sound really good, can sound really true, but we have to be on the lookout. We have to pay attention to the voices that we choose to listen to. We have to watch out, always watch out. This is one of the reasons I regularly encourage you to fact check me. I don't want you to take my word for it. Go read what I'm saying and, and make sure what I'm saying is, is accurate. This is, why, this is why I put myself under the accountability of people I know and love and trust. I trust their relationship with the Lord because I want to make sure that I'm being as accurate with the scriptures as I can. And that's why I put myself under other people's authority. But don't take my word for it. Fact check me. Go, go read it for yourself. I never want us to get to a place where, where you're listening to me before you listen to the word of God. Again, I do my best to try to understand what the word means, not just what it says, right? A lot of people can tell you what the word says. I want to help us understand what the word means. I do my best to help us understand what the word means, but I'm not perfect. I don't get it right all the time. Fact check me. And really quickly, when I say fact check me, I don't mean go listen to another sermon. (laughs) Go listen to somebody else's interpretation. I mean go read the scriptures for yourself and pray that the Holy Spirit gives you... um, (sighs) gives you a revelation of what it means. That's what I mean. Always watch out. Always watch out. In the early 90s, um, there was an incredibly sad situation that happened outside of uh, Waco, Texas. Um, uh, A charismatic, charming man named David Koresh convinced hundreds of people that he was the second coming of Jesus. This really happened. Uh, he convinced hundreds of people that he was the second coming of Jesus. He, again, he sounded really good. He was really convincing. He convinced these people to live with him on a compound outside of Waco, and he convinced these people basically to die for his cause, to, to, to die that, or be, because he was the, the son of Christ they needed to, or the son of God they, they needed to listen to him. And these people bought his message hook, line, and sinker. And they called themselves, uh, towards the end, they called themselves the Koreshians. And they believed that the U.S. government was their enemy. And uh, famously, they went through a 51-day like standoff shootout with the government, with uh, federal agents. And um, David Koresh was married to a lot of, mo- probably most of the women in the compound, even some young girls, he was married to them. Um, and, and he had these people convinced that he was the second coming of Jesus because he sounded good. Watch out. Watch out. This is why Paul said to watch out. Watch out for slick-talking people who claim things in the name of God, but the things they claim are contrary to the word of God. Watch out for those people. Watch out for those people. Watch out for people who cause divisions and upset people's faith by teaching things contrary to what you have been taught. The Apostle Paul also warns his protege Timothy of this in, in Paul's letter to Timothy in Scripture. First, First Timothy chapter 1, verse 5 through 7 says this, The purpose of my instruction is that all believers would be filled with love that comes from a, uh, from a pure heart. The purpose of my instruction is that all believers... All believers would be filled with love that comes from a pure heart, a clear conscience, a genuine faith. But some people have missed the whole point. 
Paul, the whole purpose of Paul's instructions, he gives it right there. The whole purpose is that you would be filled with love, that you would have a clear conscience, a pure heart, that you would have genuine faith. And some people miss that point entirely. Some people miss the entire point. They have turned away from these things and spend their time in meaningless discussions. They want to be known as teachers of the law, but they don't know what they're talking about, even though they speak so confidently. Watch out. Watch out. Paul warned the Romans. Paul warned his protege, Timothy. Paul warns his other protege, Titus, about these things, these kind of people. There have always been these kind of people, and there will always be these kinds of people. Watch out. Watch out. This is why it's so important that you and I become students of the word of God. This is why it's so important that we know what the word says. This is why it's so important that we understand what the word means. Not just know what it says. I'll say this till I'm blue in the face. It doesn't matter that we know what the word says. We have to understand what the word means. It doesn't matter if we know what the word says. We have to understand what the word means. This is why he says, watch out. This is why it's so important for us to become students of the word. A uh, Zimbabwean pastor, this is a true story, has, uh, I took a little clip from a, a news article. A Zimbabwean pastor has reportedly convinced his congregants that his holy pens make students pass their exams. The more you pay for one, the better grades you'll get. Seriously, this pastor in Zimbabwe convinced his congregation that if they bought these pens, if they bought these pens, they would get good grades in school. And this congregation, who trusts their pastor, believed him. And they started giving all their money to this guy. And these pens from, from $1 up to $20. And that $1 up to, that's, that's U.S. dollars. It's a lot more money in the Zimbabwe currency. They're giving away tons of money to this guy so that they can have blessed pens and have good grades. Like, that's, that's the kind of stuff that Paul says to watch out for. Now, that's, a, that's kind of a silly example, pens, holy pen, you know, whatever. But, like, it makes my point perfectly. Watch out. Slick-talking people who claim things in the name of God that it doesn't line up with his word. Watch out for, for those who upset people's faith by teaching things contrary to, to the word of God. Uh, worship team, you can come to the platform. So the first observation about the last chapter of, of the book of Romans is that the Apostle Paul always surrounded himself with other believers. Always. The second observation uh, about the last chapter of the book of Romans is always watch out. Always watch out. Imagine a life where your closest, most trusted friends are Christ followers who encourage you, Christ followers who pray for you daily, Christ followers who support you, Christ followers who challenge you, Christ followers who hold you accountable to a higher standard. Imagine those are your closest friends. Imagine that's your most tight-knit community. How would things be different? How would life be different for you? I believe if that was true, I believe if, if, if you surrounded yourself with other believers, you would experience the fullness of life in the kingdom of God. I believe that wholeheartedly. 
you would experience fullness of life in the kingdom of God. I believe that when you surround yourself with, with other like-minded believers, you're empowered in your faith. I believe that, that um, when we surround ourselves with other believers, I, I believe that we even become more sensitive to the presence of God in our lives. Man, what if? What if? What if we could live a life completely guided by the truth of God because we're so diligent in watching out? What if, like, what if we didn't have to worry about, like, what we believe because we've actually become students of the word and we know what the word says and we're, we're, we're learning what it means? What, like, what if? What if, we, what if we didn't have to worry about, man, is this credible? Is this credible? Is this person nuts? Is this person, you know, true? Like, what if we didn't have to worry about all that because we, we became students of the word and we knew what it said and we were understanding, we were learning what it meant? What if? Things would be so much simpler Things would be so much simpler because the only voice you would, be, would hear, the only voice you would hear is the only voice that matters. The voice of God. Surround yourself with other believers. Always watch out. Final thoughts from the Apostle Paul's letter to the Roman church. Let me pray for you this morning. God, we love you. We thank you for your word. And we thank you, God, that... that um, you're calling us to more. You're calling us to a higher standard. You, you don't want, you don't want a, a church that, that sits on the sidelines. You want a church that's in the game. Thank you for that, God. God, I don't want us to be a church of, of one day a week Christians. I want to be a church where we're pursuing you daily where we're pursuing you every single day, where we're looking to you every single day. God, help us. Help us to surround ourselves with, with other believers who can encourage us, challenge us, hold us accountable. Help us to surround ourselves with people who will support us and pray for us. Let those people become our people. Let those people become our community. Thank you, God. Thank you. And God, by your Holy Spirit, will you give us the discernment to watch out, to look out, to pay attention, and not just, not just take in everything that we hear and, and believe it as truth. By your, by your spirit, God, may we discern truth from lies. By your spirit, empower us. We love you, God. We thank you. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen, amen. Really quickly, um, just a few minutes. I just want to take a, a moment to respond. I just want to take a moment to respond to the word of God today. So the worship team is going to just just lead us in, in some music and... Um, just, just for a couple minutes, we're we're not gonna have any, we're not gonna have any any songs or or any lyrics, but they're just gonna lead us in in a time to just reflect. So I just want to encourage you, like, pray, meditate on the word, allow the Holy Spirit to continue to do some work. It's only gonna be a couple minutes, um, but let's not rush through this moment. So um, you can stand with me if you want, you can stay seated if you want, but let's allow the Holy Spirit to do His thing this morning. Surround yourself with other believers. 
always watch out. Um, before we're dismissed today, uh, I just have a few next steps that I want to give us. And these next steps are um, they're tangible things that we can do to, to take the message and apply them to our lives this week. So the, the first next step is this. This week I'll memorize Romans 16, 17. And now I make one more appeal, my dear brothers and sisters, watch out for people who cause divisions and upset people's faith by teaching things contrary to what you've been taught. Stay away from them. The next one is, is this week I'll make an, I will make an effort to befriend someone inside my church. We have to surround ourselves with other believers. We have to. That's how we're going to grow in our relationship with the Lord. That's how we're going to be encouraged. That's how we're going to keep the faith is, is when we're pushing each other and holding each other accountable. And then this week, I will invite someone to our At The Movies series. Next week, we start At The Movies. Uh, it's, it's, to me, it's a, a fun way to present scripture. It's a fun way to present the Bible. Um, and uh, next week, I'm kicking off the series with the movie Hacksaw Ridge. If you've never seen it, it's, it's a pretty good movie. Um, and uh, we got some, some pretty cool truths that we're going to pull from it. So um, stand with me if you would. I'm going to say one last prayer, and then we can be dismissed this morning. God, thank you for your word. Um, thank you for um, the letter to the Roman church and, and, and all the encouragement, all the challenging, all the challenging uh, advice in it, all the challenging commands in it. God, I just pray that um, we wouldn't forget this series, that this series would be a part of us now. It would be a part of our faith. I pray, God, that, that this we could look back in, in a few years, we could look back at this series and, and know that it was pivotal. It was a pivotal point in our relationship with you, that it helped us grow more and more. We love you, God. We thank you. Give you all the praise. And finally, may the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Thank you for coming today, everybody. Thanks for worshiping with us this morning. Have a great week. We will see you next Sunday.